I'm sure you've heard the name of uh, Francis Schaeffer, uh, who lived toward the end of the 20th century and was a tremendous theologian. <clears throat> he wrote books like The God Who's There, um, Whatever Happened to the Human Race. Uh, but I read something he said recently that I think goes along with what we've been saying for the last month or so, and that is this. He said, if I had an hour on an airplane uh, to speak to somebody about Jesus Christ, I would spend 55 minutes on the doctrine of creation and five minutes on the doctrine of salvation. Uh, and you know, he's really right about that. Because you see, the whole idea of restoration through Jesus Christ is not only our soul, but our body. You know, when you die, we'll put your body in the ground. But as a Christian, we know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the, with the Lord. But then one day our bodies will be raised. And there'll be a new heavens and a new earth and we'll be in material bodies. Isn't that awesome? I see doctors out there. That's why doctors are important. Because, uh, because we matter. <laughs> and uh, so I want you to turn uh, to our text. Uh, and the title of the sermon is, Why We Matter. Why do we matter? It's in Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every green, every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. And you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And so, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Uh, let's pray. Father, we have this great creation. And yet we know it is marred uh, by sin and by us. Uh, and yet that does not retract from your glory. Your glory is that you are redeeming this creation. Father, I pray that we might understand that just as we die physically, we're already dead spiritually. And I pray that you would open the eyes of all of us this morning to behold the true meaning of life, that you're the creator and uh, you've created us in your image. Uh, we have deeply marred that because of our own desire to have dominion over others rather than serving others. 
Uh, we use other people for our own pleasure. Uh, we use our money uh, not for the advancement of your kingdom, but often we use it for our own pleasures. But Father, I thank you that the reason we're here is because you have begun that great work through Jesus, through the second Adam, to restore broken creatures like this pastor in a session, and deacons, and the women's leadership, and staff, and everyone here. Oh, Father, would you speak to us today and give us a great hope in this world that's so marred by sin. And we ask it in your name. Amen. C.S. Lewis uh, once wrote, God is no fonder of intellectual slackers than any other slacker. If you are thinking of becoming a Christian, I warn you, you are embarking on something that is going to take the whole of you, your brains and all. In other words, I think what he's saying, and we say this a a fair amount, uh, and we, we know that certainly thinking doesn't get you into heaven, or else it'd just be thinkers, right? Smart people. And there are a lot of thinkers that won't ever believe. But he's saying that in a way is, is, is an earnest Christian. And I tell young men going in the ministry now, if, ever, if you ever had better be thinking, it is now. There is no Christian residual that's out there. We are in Babylon. I've been saying that. Uh, Christendom has kind of run its course and uh, and if you don't have a sense that we're in Babylon, well, why did that happen? Well, the reason is because we as Christians, in many ways, quit thinking. And even if one is not educated, uh, one can become wise through meditating, thinking, and working through in their minds the truths that they've been taught in Sunday school class. Who Jesus is and what he's accomplished. What that means to our lives I think I told you uh, uh, before of, of uh, when I had a lot of questions in college and I'm trying to decide on whether I really want to give my life completely to this. Uh, <clears throat> Annie Mae Brooks, who worked in her home for all the, all the years and uh, she had been speaking with Jehovah's Witnesses and I was curious as to what she thought about them. And I uh, just didn't know, you know, because I'm having a lot of questions and she said, well, I just didn't hear the voice of the shepherd. Isn't that awesome? Thinking it through, meditating it. She, that, that's not who Jesus Christ is. He's not some angel. He's the son of God. She taught that. She understood that. But can we all agree that we live in a culture that no longer likes to do the hard work of thinking? Right? Think about it. I want you to think. Because you're going to have to think if you're going to be a redeemer. I, I, I wish I could make it easier. Um, but you have to think through why, different ideas. And the idea of thinking is, wow, that's a good idea. Or that's a stupid idea. There, there, there is such thing as a good idea, but you see, you've grown up, especially if you're under the age of 40 years old, you've grown up in an educational system that you spend all the money to basically say, you know what, there is no place to have the ultimate idea. There is no reference point that's there. Now, why am I bringing this up as we come to our sermon? Well, 
it seems in many ways as I sit down and talk to Christians that we're being lured away from the idea of thinking through the faith to just experiencing things. How, how I feel about this. How I feel about the music. Let me give you a case in point of that is we'll have a lot of people who grew up confessional in PCA churches, Presbyterian churches. Uh, but their service maybe was a little bit more contemporary. Which is fine. I mean, that's fine. I'm not, I mean, this is a, not a, a topic about worship. I'm really talking about thinking things through. But So what happens is when they move to another town, they won't go to the church, this Presbyterian that's confessional and thinking through why we believe what we believe. And they'll end up going to a church that's completely of a different faith tradition because the worship style is similar. Yeah, does that make sense to y'all? That doesn't make sense. So, it's, it's, I'm, I'm trying for at least this year. I mean, of course, I always want us to do this, but to, to be thinking through. What is the Christian faith? Because, you see, if you're young, you need to understand. You, you can't just believe in Jesus and do what you want to do. You can't live an immoral life. In fact, uh, the song that we just said is, is that, you know, I need thee every hour I need thee, and the more we draw nigh to him, the more things begin to make sense, and the more we see our sin and our need for Christ. So what is it that I've been wanting us to think about? Well, remember how I've been saying that the, the issue of our day is not what we call theology proper, the study of God, or anthropology, the study of man, or soteriology, the doctrines of salvation. That's what... C.S. Lewis, I'm not, I mean, <clears throat> Francis Schaeffer was saying, just give me five minutes on soteriology. He said, give me 55 minutes on what I'm trying to address, and that is cosmology. The creation. What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? Is there any distinction? And I think we all would agree that we live in a culture that says you cannot make distinctions. Because once you make distinctions, then you are being either divisive or you are basically summoning somebody else to God's bar as to what the truth is. Does that make sense? And so, and what is cosmology? Okay, it's, it's just the big picture. It's the order of things. It's origins. What is the original intent? I mean, who was my grandfather? Who was my great-great-grandfather? You know, we're all big into the, you know, swabbing your mouth and, and finding out whether you happen to get to be a Celtic person or not. Uh, because that matters in some sense. You know, I used to, when I talked to college students, and I'd meet them. This one I did campus ministry. And, the, and, and I'd ask them their name. They'd say, Bob. I'd say, well, you're not my brother. And they were like, what do you mean? I'd say, well, i got a brother named Bob. I don't know your first name, I only know your last name because that's part of who we are, isn't it? What country we've come from or, or who we are. And so, so we're looking at the order of things. Well, where, where else can you find the order of things from the beginning, the inception, the seed, as it were, than the book of Genesis? And what God says. Now, if you're an anthropology major and you go to the school over here, uh, and you have a professor who's an anthropologist, 
That's the study of man, and believe it or not, we studied that in seminary. It's the second area of systematic theology. Who is God and who is man? We call it anthropos. This comes from the word uh, man. Uh, uh, so, so we do study the study of man. But the question ends up being, what is the essence of a man? What is the anthropologist going to say? I, I don't know. It depends. It depends on whether you get a Christian anthropologist or not. But chances are you might get somebody in one of your classes at the university, and I'm not knocking this, I'm, really I'm not doing culture awards, I'm just trying to get us to think. That all yours, you're from the dust, from the dirt. And I want to say amen to that, but thankfully God was personally involved in that. But, but no, there's this idea that, there, that, that you are just a series of chemicals. And that's all you're raising, is a series of chemicals and material things. And so if that's the case, if that's the case, can we all agree that there's no meaning at all? There is no point. There is no purpose. And then you might go, well, I believe in God, and the God that you believe in is, is the God of our forefathers, that we like to say a lot of them are Christians. But to be quite honest with you, a lot of them were not Christians. They were not theists. They were deists. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that Christianity hasn't deeply influenced our country, but uh, if you go read some of our forefathers, and the idea of the deist is he's the great architect upstairs. And he just kind of cranked things up and he let it go. And, uh, and so, so he has no net effect on our lives. There's no uh, entry point into our lives. Now let me ask you this. Is it, perhaps that's the way you think. And you say, no, I'm a theist. I believe in God. I believe in the God of the Bible. But in all practicality is the way we live our lives as though God is not involved in our lives. Listen, I, I, I'm, I, as your pastor, I hear all kind of troubled marriages. I hear uh, physical issues that you're dealing with. I, 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 I hear the depression and the discouragement that's there. And is it, is, 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 it, is it soothing to your soul if there's a God that's up there but he doesn't know who you are? But then what we see from our text is what we call theism. And what we see is, is that God is very involved in your creation. In fact, David believed this. Read through the Psalms. Psalms really refer a lot to the creation. David says, Lord, you have searched me and known me. And you know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar and you search out my path and my lying down are acquainted with all my ways. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. And then he, I could go on, but he says, listen to this. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. And when I wake, you're still there. Now let me ask you, if you have a lot of problems right now, especially if your problem is your sin. <laughs> <laughs> and your, your struggle with sin. Is it wonderful to know that here's a man who murdered people and killed people and had an affair and who knows what else was going on that he's able to see a covenant God, the God of creation, who knows his thoughts. Now, if that's, 
if that's not something that brings comfort to you, then we need to talk this thing through in this text. Because you see, the nearness of God can be very, very scary to a person who doesn't understand that in spite of the fall, that he has covenanted with us through Jesus Christ. So this morning I want to say just a little bit more about uh, the image of God. Now, Ken, here's what we've established as we've looked through Genesis. Verses 1 and 2 basically say that God created by speaking. He speaks and the whole world comes into existence. In other words, he's sovereign. He's not part of the creation. Now, you might go, well, I'm a Christian. I know that stuff. Well, let me tell you, just come downtown with me to Athens sometimes and see if people still believe that. But then when he creates, what's very interesting is he creates, but there's, there's things are still just kind of like a lump of clay, so to speak, for the artist to work. And then he begins to work. And when he begins to work, he creates uh, three realms and three rulers. Uh, you see that uh, where he says that uh, he creates, uh, and he does this, by the way, he, he does it by speaking, by divine fiat. He speaks. And so we have uh, the realm on the first day, one, two, and three, that, that uh, there's light and darkness and water and skies and dry land, and then he creates those to rule in those spheres, which are the birds of the air, the fish of the sea. And then he talks about the moon, the sun, the stars, the, the greater lights and lesser lights to rule, to give us boundaries. Pretty amazing. And guess what? They're all doing exactly what God says. But then we come to our text this morning, and God speaks of the creation of mankind and the significance of who we are. In other words, every commentator, even liberal commentators, would tell you that the whole point of Genesis 1, however you look at the length of days or whatever it may be, is that God has created this entire universe and then he created this earth and then he placed us on it and that we're the penultimate of creation. That's why everything works. And so, I want us to see what God thinks about our significance in the image of God and uh, what God says about our significance. And then what God declares about our significance. Just take a few moments with this. First, what does God think about our significance? I mean, what's kind of in his mind as he creates human beings? Well, again, as I said, God creates a realm and then he puts rulers in that realm. The fish rule the sea. They don't rule the sky. And the birds don't feel too comfortable underneath the water, but the birds, they soar. And I remember as a kid thinking, man, I'd love to just do that. And they do it quite well because they do it uh, to God's glory. And every time he created, he, he created by divine fiat. You got that? He just spoke and it happened. But now we come to verse 26. Now, I want you to notice what's different about verse 26 than all the other verses. We don't have divine fiat. We have God speaking to himself, as it were. 
And he says this, uh, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing. So think about it. So it says that we are created in the image of God and the likeness of God. Now there's been a lot said about likeness and image. Uh, I like what John Calvin says. He says basically they're, they're saying the same thing. Uh, and what he's saying is that what it means to be in, in the image of God is that we reflect him. Uh, we see that in, in terms, and I'll speak to this later, but uh, dominion, that we can have dominion. We're supposed to have dominion over the whole creation. And not only that, but we're to have dominion as male and female. And we'll see this in a couple of weeks. I'm going to start really zeroing in the distinction between men and women. Ish and isha. But the fact of the matter is, is what we see is that when God makes us, He counsels with Himself. And, you know, you can't really point to the Trinity here, but you can certainly look from the New Testament and you can look back and you can look throughout the Scriptures and see that God is revealing Himself as the triune God. Now, why is that significant? Well, the reason that that is significant is because uh, to, be, to bear His image uh, is to be like God and to have dominion. This is God's idea. Was it a risky idea? Well, Yes. And you say, well, isn't God sovereign? I'm like, yeah, He is sovereign. But the fact of the matter is, as we'll see later in Genesis 3, that we sin. And so rather than, than being, understanding the doctrine of creation, and that you bring all your gifts, being male and female, boy and girl, smart, not as smart. I mean, it's always, do you ever notice there's somebody smarter than you? You ever felt like you're over your head? Okay, but but God, he, he didn't create us to glorify ourselves. And, and when you start moving away from the creation mandate and what God's created you to be. I mean, I, I wanted to play football at Georgia because my brothers played football at Georgia. And I was going to play at Georgia. Except I wasn't good enough and I wasn't big enough. So I had to think of another vocation like being a preacher. <laughs> but you see, let me tell you something. Do you understand how cruel this world was when Jesus Christ came into the world? How vicious it was. Why? Because I can tell you, if you read Aristotle, Aristotle would tell you, well, there are certain races of people that are just more qualified to run the world than other races. For all of his philosophy, Aristotle believed that some people were just too emotional. Uh, that makes sense from a philosopher. And they don't need to rule the world. And so there's violence. And uh, rather than having a service and dominion of the kingdom, we begin to pillage and rape and plunder, don't we? In fact, if anybody ought to be an environmentalist, it should be Christians, but with one that makes sense where the creation that we serve serves us. But where do we see this? We talked about this uh, a couple of, a couple of, of weeks ago uh, where, um, where when God created uh, 
human beings and he creates an image and also the New Testament church started picking up on this. It comes into that violent culture that had abortions left and right. You understand that? And if you were a female, do you know what they did if you're a female? In Rome, they didn't want you. Right, except, except a certain number, so they'd just stick you on the wall at night where the wolves would come and get you. Not a very high view of women, is it? And yet Christians understood from the very beginning that God created us male and female in His image. That God, as I said a couple of weeks ago, He makes no junk. I'm telling you, anytime I sit down with any of you, I marvel. I don't care who you are. And so the Christian, the early Christians, uh, they marveled and they changed. You know, you know why people believed in Christianity at the time? Because Christ, who's the light of the world, comes into the world and he's transforming Christians. And now they live for a world to come, so they give up this world. And so when plagues came, everybody else left. They left their family. Euthanasia was huge. But not the Christians. You know why? Because you're creating the image of God. So, that's what God thinks about it. So, what does God say about our significance? Because He speaks. And it's very important to know that when Adam was created, He was not created by Himself trying to cut His own way. And and by the way, anytime you start removing yourself from people, whether you're depressed or whether you're doing drugs or whether you're going down in your basement looking at porn, whatever it may be, when you start moving yourself away from people, then you're entering into the chaos. And you're losing the glory of who God has made you to be because He has made you to be in community, first with Him and then with others. But what does He say? What does He say about our significance? So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. And God blessed them and He said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living creature that moves upon it. You see, what God is saying is that your existence matters. That you have purpose to your life. You know, when I I go on vacation every now and then, and when I do, and I take off with Mary Beth, and I come back, people say, hey, man, what'd you do on your vacation? I don't say nothing. I mean, how the heck do you do nothing? Now, you can waste a lot of time, but nothing is not a thing. Y'all get that? It's not a thing, nothing. Chance is nothing. And yet, we're taught by everybody that everything is by chance. There was nothing but when, I, when Mary Beth and I wake up in the morning, it's like, hey, what do you want to do today? And she's like, let's go on a hike. I'm like, nah, let's not do that. <laughs> you see, there's purpose. But we live in a, in a universe that's gone mad. It says that everything that's in the universe is, is uh, by chance. And, and, you know, I'm not a scientist, I, I, but I do have some logic to me. But everything that we learn in our schools is the idea that we can't talk about the soul of man or being in the image of God because you can't measure that. And so what we end up doing 
is we, we use ideas that I don't understand how that which is complex can come from that which is less complex. Do y'all understand that? Uh, and I've never had anybody explain that to me. And, uh, and again, if you're a scientist, and I have, by the way, I have geneticists in here, and I've got, like, uh, really good scientists, so I don't like to address that issue. And if you can explain to me how it makes sense. But, but Carl Sagan said that this universe is all that ever was and is and ever will be. It's this transcendent universe. It just is. And, and, uh, and if you listen, and I, I spent a good time this week, uh, this week listening to a lot of scientists on YouTube, good ones like... Richard Dawkins. So can you have any example of one thing going from one kind to the next kind? And do you know not one of them could give an example of that? Other than, well, it's kind of within viruses, you can see this. And I'm not saying there's not mutations, but does the Bible talk about everything being in its kind? He created us male and female. Would y'all say that's a big issue in our culture today? Now again, I don't want to do culture wars. But I don't want to lose the significance of who we are by believing things like chance that says that there is no distinction between being a man and being a woman because it's more than just our sex. It's we are created male man and, and, and female man. Uh, someone has said that, that the universe, uh, if, if it's, it was created by chance, it would be and where is that? I saw that somewhere. It's really cool. I hate it when I lose my cool stuff. And I don't like to do all these facts and figures. Oh, here it is. The probability that we could be sitting around thinking about how the universe in our existence is by chance is 10 to the power of 40,000. Y'all know what that is, don't you? Well, one scientist says that's, that's more than all the atoms in the universe. So what are you going to do? You're going to believe that? Or are you going to believe what seems to be very straightforward and simple, and that is that God created you. He's your creator. That you're a human being. And you know what it means to be a being? I'm Hal. I'm not Mary Beth. And I'm married to Mary Beth. I don't go over to your house after work. And I think about my dog, Maddie, and my dog looks at me, and she didn't think about anything, but well, you won't feed me that. <laughs> the very important issues. Because you see, according to the Bible, what's going on in your head right now, and you can think about space and time and eternity, when you die, it keeps on going. But not according to the materialist. That everything, all our thinking and everything, all the abilities that we have, is by chance. And chance is nothing. You understand? I, I just, I, to me, it's just like, man, you're talking about a leap of faith. But I'm really not here to give some kind of apologetic for this. I, I, I've kind of, the older I get, the more I just want to get. Listen, you either believe God's word or don't. And so, the essence of what it means to be created in the image of God is that we, we are in a relationship. We're in a relationship with each other. Uh, that we have purpose and meaning. The essence of a great friendship. I mean, can you have a good friendship with somebody that's just not very purposeful? I, mean, I don't want to hang around guys that aren't headed anywhere, personally. And then you go, well, you know what? Maybe I'm one of those guys you want to hang out with. I want to go, well, look, you've forgotten the doctrine of creation. Is anybody in here junk? Is there anybody in here that cannot fulfill what God's called you to be? I don't care how much you screwed your life up. No. 
And perhaps the reason that many of you, I spoke with somebody recently, just said, yeah, I, just, I guess I'm going to be a doubter all my life. Well, you know, there's two kinds of doubt. There's a, there's a godly kind of, you know, going, uh, Lord, are you really the one? <laughs> and then you come to a conclusion. He is. And then you get crucified for it. And then there's the doubting that always leaves you in doubt. You know why? Because you want to do what you want to do because you want to rule your own life. But let me ask you, how's that going for you? That going good for you right now? Run your own life or are you screwing your life up because you've tried to run your... Because, and you know how you find out you're, you're screwed up? It's because you screw everybody else up. And your process of wanting to be happy. Teenager, you get that? If you're a teenager. And you're going, well, I just want to do what I want to do. My parents don't know this. Well, let me tell you what. You're probably causing a lot of grief and pain and sorrow. And so that's what God thinks. And so what God says about our significance. One last thing. What does he declare? And, that, and I'm just going to take a moment on this. What does he declare about our significance? Notice what he says. And God saw everything that he had made, verse 31. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. It's very good. Everything that God created. And here, now, now it's the, the human beings are the penultimate. He marvels at his own creation because he created us holy, righteous, and happy. You understand? He did not create us. Skewed. Uh, the way we are. And by the way, if you don't have a biblical view of creation, you're going to do two, one of two things. You're either going to uh, abuse the material world. How many of you are addicted right now to alcohol? How many of you are addicted to struggling with wanting to go down in your basement and look at things? How many of you are addicted to wanting to be uh, the one who can say, I don't, I don't do any of that stuff? <laughs> so so you, either, you either abuse it on the one hand, or else you deny it, like we read in our text. Forbid people to marry. I never have been able to understand, and I'm sure Roman Catholic has a good answer to that. I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure of it. But I don't know how. Forbid men to marry. Why? Because the text says that everything that God created is good, is it not? Male and female. We're created good morally. So what's the problem? Well, we're going to be talking a lot more about the problem in the future because we've got to get to that. But you know what? Adam and Eve sinned. And because of their sinning, okay, now listen to me, is that we close. I want you to think about this, especially if you're going, I don't know if I believe anything he said. That's okay. Kind of. But Romans chapter 1 tells you what you're doing right now. He says that because you don't think God is good, he says that you are suppressing the truth. For although they know God, they do not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. So what's God do? He hands you over to do what you want to do. What do you want to do? You want to be rich? I guarantee you that will rule your life. You want to give yourself to a boyfriend and unless he loves me and likes me and all that, you know what? You'll just be an absolute slave to that. Or you want good health. Does anybody want good health? I want good health. I'm 60. I'm doing pretty good, even though I'm short. And couldn't play football at Georgia. If I was taller, I'd have been an All-American, but that's another story. <clears throat> I'm teasing for y'all that don't know me. I, I would not have been all. Um, uh, you, you see, you, you suppress 
He suppressed the truth. Now, why do we do that? Well, let me close by saying this. When God came to Adam and Adam sinned, he didn't ask the philosophical question. He didn't say, who are you? And if you're asking that ontological questions, like who am I, forget the, what we call the ontological questions. You need to be, he's asking the question, where are you? Because you're hiding from me. And the reason that you're hiding from me is because you know your sense of shame. Are you hiding from God? You're ashamed. And you think, well, I've already screwed this all up. Adam and Eve didn't submit. But if you go to Luke, you'll find one who did submit, and it wasn't Jesus. It was before Jesus. You know who that was? A virgin. A virgin named Mary. And the, and the angel of the Lord said, you're going to have a child. And that child is going to be the son of God. And listen to what Mary says. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to, to your word. And the angel departed from her. I'm a servant of the Lord. Lord, what do you want me to do? By the way, you know she was misunderstood all her life. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, right, sure, your father uh, was uh, God in heaven. But she submitted. And because she submitted to the Lord of creation, Jesus comes into the creation and he submits unto death so that we might be restored. Isn't that awesome? Do you know this Jesus? Have you submitted your life to him so that you might give your body to God through Jesus Christ? I would encourage you to do that this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that your ultimate purpose was not to create, but to recreate us in Jesus Christ. I don't understand all that. But Lord, you're going to make a new heavens and a new earth. And Father, you promise it today that all those who confess Jesus Christ and look at him as a second Adam who uh, was cursed so that we might be entered back into uh, your presence. Uh, Lord, we thank you that <clears throat> through him we are able to come this morning. I pray for any who are here today that are running from you or continue to doubt, but their doubt is not godly, it's ungodly. That they would repent of their sin and their desire to be their own God and submit to Jesus Christ and see his love for them and be transformed by the gospel. Now, Lord, we ask as we come to the Lord's table that you bless our time together, that we would see Jesus, the mediator of a new and better covenant, the Lord of creation. We ask it in your name. Amen.